So let me ask you guys this. Have you ever had a time where you were stuck either indoors for, for a really long time or maybe you were, it was a cloudy season, winter weather, and the sun just hadn't shown, it shown, is that right? Shown, right? Yeah, it hadn't shown in a long time. And then when the sun came out and you felt it, you just soaked it up. Have you guys ever done that before where you're just like, yes. Yes, sunlight, and it felt so good. Or maybe you're working an office job in a cubicle, and the fluorescent lights were getting to you, and you're like, I just need to get outside, you know, for your lunch break or something to kind of soak up the sun. Um, I had an experience like this. We were on a missions trip in Scotland, and we were in Edinburgh, and we were sharing the gospel, and it was, it was a beautiful place. But Scotland, if you know, is cloudy like all the time. It is constantly overcast. And so the sun does not come out very much in Scotland. Well, we were out there, we were doing ministry, and one day, it was in the middle of summer, the sun comes out, and it's a sunny day, like not a cloud in the sky, which is not normal for Scotland, but we, we weren't really thinking about that. Well, we went to a park, and I mean, the park was packed. Every square foot of grass had a body on it. Like people were cramming in, and everyone was just laying. They're just soaking up the sun. And we're like, wow, this is weird. <laughs> because I'm telling you, like the whole park, every blade of grass was covered by a person, which worked out great for us because we were doing these dramas, right? And we're doing street evangelism. So we would, we would do this big drama and have music. And then all these people would kind of crowd around and they would watch us. And then we'd get up and we'd share the gospel. So we were excited because we went to the park to share the gospel. And there's like all these people at the park. And so, but they were all out there. That's what they were doing. It was so surprising to us, but they were soaking up the sun, just like, oh, it's so great, so refreshing. And it's funny because scientifically, the sun actually does bring healing. Like sunlight helps us in a million different ways. It, it boosts our vitamin D, helps our immune system, helps us with sleep patterns, with mental health, all sorts of really, really great things. It gives us a nice tan, you know. Um, but it's a beautiful thing. And Jesus said that he is the light of this world. And the light of Jesus has the same effect as sunlight in our lives. When Jesus shines his light of his grace and his mercy and his truth on us, it brings healing. It brings restoration. It fills us up. And Jesus said, I came for this purpose to testify to the truth. So he came also to reveal. And light also does that, right? The word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light into our path. So Jesus came to testify of the truth. And so his light does two things. It reveals truth and it brings restoration and healing. So we're going to talk about that today. The title of the message is Light Up the Darkness. Light up the darkness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, will you speak to us today? Holy Spirit, we just ask that 
that you speak your word into our hearts, Lord, that it bears fruit in our lives. Lord, I pray that nothing that I say will stand, anything that's of me will fall to the ground and die, Lord, but that your word will be elevated, Lord God, in our lives and in our hearts. So we thank you, God, for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So we are continuing this morning in our series, going through the book of Ephesians. And the reason why we are diving into scripture like this is because it's a value of our church. Truth, right? We want to be led by the word of God and the spirit of God. And it's amazing when, we, when you combine those two things, the word of God comes alive when we're listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit in it. And God can speak directly to us through scripture. Isn't that amazing? The word is alive. It is living and active. And when we listen and we have ears to hear, God will speak to us. Uh, so last week, John did an awesome job uh, preaching through the last portion of Ephesians chapter 4. And he was talking about how we, if we are the family of God, one family fully known and loved and authentic relationships, in order for those relationships to thrive, the words of our mouth need to edify, right? What we say, what we speak needs to build people up, strengthen, encourage, comfort, right? Rather than tear down. And so Paul was emphasizing two different ways. He would say, don't do this, do this. And he was going back and forth and he, he follows this pattern that we see in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, in verse 17, remember he talked about don't live as the Gentiles live with the futility of their minds, with their understanding darkened, right? We talked about that. The difference between the old man and the new man. And he tells us to put off the old man, and put on the new man. And so Paul continues this idea of uh, delineating between our old self and the world's way of doing things and our new self so that we might live as children of the light, it says in chapter 5. So we're going to start in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Man, that's awesome. We are dearly loved. Dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Paul starts out saying, follow God's example. You're dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love. Be like Jesus. Be selfless. This is who you are. He's saying it again. This is who you are. You are a dearly loved child of God. So, because you are, live that way. Live as a dearly loved child of God. And he's saying, follow Christ's example with your words. As chapter 4 closes out, talking in that way. So Paul, we notice, is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ, Ephesians 4.12. So he's equipping us to be mature believers, the context of the chapter. So he's equipping us to be mature, and part of maturity is knowing who we are in Christ and knowing who we're not, who we once were and the difference between who we once were and who we actually are. That's part of being mature. And then living in a way that reflects our true identity as children of light. And so Paul's equipping us in this way. The enemy wants to hide our true identity from us. He wants it to stay in the dark because then 
we're stuck in shame, in guilt, in condemnation, and in hopelessness if we don't know who we are. So he wants to cover that up. He doesn't want the light to be shed on our lives and for us to know who we truly are. So he wants to keep us in the dark. So Paul keeps on emphasizing this is who we are. So he starts in verse 3. He starts describing the old man again in the way of the world. But among you, verse 3, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for who? God's holy people. So he's saying you are God's holy people and these things, they're improper for you. They don't align with who you are. He goes on in verse 4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. This is going back again to Ephesians 4 where he says, don't be like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. He's saying, don't let anyone deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, verse 7, do not be partners with them. So who's he talking about? Do not be partners with who? Those who are disobedient. Those who don't know Christ. Don't be partners with the world. You're not of the world. So don't partner with them. Look at what sin does. It brings destruction. You can see that in their life. Don't be partners with them because you're God's holy people. So he re-emphasizes some things that he said before in chapter 4. He talks about four different things that we identify with our old self or the way this world operates. He talks about sexual immorality, immorality, impurity, greed, and slandering or foolish talking or coarse jesting or obscenity, impure speech. And so he highlights these. This is who we once were. And he talks about that later, who we were. And so we're going to talk about what we see here, who we were. First, we see the way of the world, who we were, is immoral and impure. We were immoral and impure, seeking false love. Right? Sexual immorality and impurity is the lie of the world that says you want to belong, you want to be accepted. This is what love is, right? If you guys see the shows, the, everything else, love is painted in the picture of sexuality, which we all know that's not true. That's not what love is. Now, it is, it is a, there's a pure expression of love in the context of marriage for sexuality, but in, in, outside of that, it's not that. But the world's trying to convince us that that has substance. Remember? That there's this facade that it's like smoke. It looks like it has substance, but then when you grab it, you come up empty-handed. And that's sexual immorality and impurity, pornography, all of those things. They look like there's some substance. It looks like it's going to fulfill something in us. That's the lie. And so we reach out, and then there's nothing there. And so he says the way of the world, the ones Use who are once dark, darkness operated in immorality and impurity, a false love, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Looking for love in all the wrong places. There is a right place, and that's the presence of God. 
But if we're, if we're dearly loved children, then we're not looking for false love. See? So immoral and impure, who we once were greedy, that word greedy, as we talked about before, means this insatiable, like appetite. Like we never have enough. Discontentedness. In 1 John 2, it talks about the three cravings of this world. Physical pleasure, sexual immorality and impurity, all things seen or desire for more stuff, discontentedness, greed, and then pride in our achievements and possessions. And that's the other lie. Number three is slanderers, who we once were. We were slanderers using our words to exalt ourselves, right? And that's what the world tells us to do. Do whatever you can to get to the top. So if that means you need to cut people down, if that means you need to to make them feel terrible so that you can feel better, whatever it is, as long as you can exalt yourself and step on people on your way to the top, because it's all about pride in our achievements and possessions. That's the way of this world. But Paul is saying these things, immoral, impure, greediness, slanders, he says for us as believers, it's, he says two things, it's improper and it's out of place. For us, improper. Why does he use those words? Improper and out of place because it doesn't align with who we are. It's improper for us because we're children of light. And so those actions don't align with our identity in Christ. So it's improper for you. It doesn't fit. It's out of place for you to give in to sin. That's not something that, that should be something that allures you because you are a child of God. Sin as a follower of Christ, feels inauthentic because it's not who we are anymore. It feels inauthentic. Once we're following Jesus, and you guys have probably had this experience, when you sin, it feels terrible, right? It doesn't feel good. It feels terrible when you sin as a follower of Jesus because it just doesn't fit. It's not who you are. And we know it's destructive, yes, but it's also it's, it's opposite of our identity. And so it's like we're trying to be someone that we're not. And you know how it's obvious when someone's trying too hard to kind of be someone that they're not? And you're like, bro, just be yourself. <laughs> you know? Right? That's what we're doing. When we sin, we're trying to be someone that we're not. And so it doesn't, it doesn't align with who we are. And so it feels inauthentic because it is. It's not authentic to our identity in Christ. But we're going to talk about how the enemy likes to turn that around, actually. So, and then Paul talks about this in the next verse, verse 8. For you were once darkness. Notice, you were once darkness, but now. Now, meaning right now, today, you are what? Light in the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's just encouraging. It's encouraging to me to know, okay, well, I am, wait, what? Now, right now, even when I feel terrible or I feel like I'm not meeting the mark or I'm just, I'm just struggling with something or my work or this or that or I'm depressed or whatever's going on, Paul says, now, in this present moment, you are light in the Lord. Isn't that great? Oh, thank you, Jesus, because of his grace. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. So now you are light in the Lord. That's the truth. That's the truth of who you are. Now, 
there's three phrases here that I think can help us in our walk with Christ that really define the Christian walk in our pursuit of Jesus. Three things. You were, you are, live as. You were, you are, live as. Paul, again, maturity in Christ, don't be deceived. You were once darkness. You are light in the Lord. Now that you know who you are, just live as children of light. That's who you are. Be authentic to who God says you are. Now the devil wants to shift those things. He wants to deceive us into thinking that when we're living for Jesus, it's inauthentic. That when we do something right, or we try to pray, or we're, we're trying to go to church, or we're trying to be faithful, the enemy will lie to us and say, why are you even trying that? Look, at you know what you did? You know what you did last night. You know what you did this past weekend. That's not who you are. Don't even try. Don't be fake. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't go to church. Don't, do the, don't even try to pray. God's not going to listen to you. That's a lie. Because the opposite is true. You are light in the, light in the Lord. You were once darkness, but the enemy wants to lie to us and get us to believe, no, yeah, that's right, that's who we are. I am identify, I identify with my mistakes, with my failures, and that's who I am, because then we give up. And that's the only way the enemy can win, is if we give up. But as long as we keep going and keep putting our faith in Jesus, he can't win. He can't get us down. Shame doesn't have a place. And he loses all of his power over us because he's an accuser. So if there's no accusations that stick, then he has no power. So you were, you are, now live as. So we are, it's inauthentic when we sin. Now Jesus did all the work. He did all the heavy lifting, which praise God for that, right? I mean, literally did the heavy, I mean, the cross, I mean, heavy lifting. He really did it all, right? Everything. He transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We were once darkness and we are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Because of Jesus and because of his blood that was shed for us on the cross, now we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We are blameless before God in love. He's made us accepted in the beloved. We have the blessings of the Father, the blessings of the Son, the blessings of the Spirit. Jesus has washed us and made us clean. We don't have a guilty conscience. We don't have to live under the weight of shame and condemnation. He's given us all wisdom and prudence and the knowledge of him. The spirit of God dwells in our hearts and it's a guarantee, a seal of redemption that we belong to God. And then he's given us the hope of our calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, his incomparably great power for us who believe. It's by grace that we're saved through faith not of works, so we can't boast. We're Christ's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. He's broken down every wall of separation between us and the Father. There's no enmity between us and God anymore. And he's done, made us part of his global work of transferring the house of God to our hearts where Jesus himself dwells within us, the spirit of God literally dwells in us and he strengthened us with power through our inner man and through his spirit in us so that we can be rooted and established in love and we can know the depth, height, length, and breadth of the love of God. We can experience a love that passes knowledge and be filled to, with all the fullness of God. That's what Jesus did. <laughs> he did all of that 
So that's who we are. He's changed our identity to that, that we are a dwelling place of God in the spirit, that we can experience love, that we can know a God who loves us perfectly, and we can live in the light of Jesus and on mission, united with a living God in authentic relationship with each other and fulfilling our purpose on the earth. That's all because of Jesus. So we are light. And then now, live as. Live as children of light. That's our part. He did all the hard work. He transformed us. So now let's just, let's just live. Let's just live as children of light. Let's be mature. Let's not believe the lie that we're something that we're not. We're children of light. We are light in the Lord. Let's believe that. And right believing will lead to right living. So who we are. So let's look at who we are and how we are to live because of that, okay? Who we are, number one, dearly loved children. We are dearly loved. Think of the, the words he uses, dearly loved. You know, it's not just like loved. Like, yeah, God loves you. Dearly loved. Meaning he's invested his entire heart into you. That's how much he loves you. Everything in him. That he would give his only son, right? God so loved the world. So loved. We are dearly loved by God. His heart is captured with us. He, I, I truly believe that God's heart aches for our presence. He wants to be with us. And when we make ourselves present to him, that's the best gift we could ever give God. Because he wants to be with us. That was Jesus' prayer in John 17. These you have given me might be with me where I am and behold my glory. That was his desire. We're dearly loved children. So because of that, let's live as. Live content with the fullness of God's love and blessings. Live content. We can be content. We have everything we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack no good thing. I have everything I need. So then I don't have to go look for love in the wrong places. I don't have to look for false love because I'm dearly loved. So I can live from that place, my identity in Christ. Live content with the fullness of God's love and blessing. So we're dearly loved. We live content. The second thing, we are imitators of God. The Bible says that we are imitators of God as dear children in the New King James of this passage. So because we imitate him, it said that Jesus gave himself up for us as a sacrifice. So because we're imitators of God, that's who we are. How do we live as? We live selfless, selfless lives, exalting others rather than ourselves. Exalting others, lifting other people up rather than lifting ourselves up. Humility is looking for opportunities to celebrate others rather than ourselves. How can I lift someone else up today? Who can I lift up? Who can I, who can I really encourage and speak life into, right? So lifting others up rather than ourselves, Ephesians 5, 18 through 20 goes on in this passage, and he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, so he says, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. So he's saying our words speak to each other 
in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Speak life, right? Speak, speak life, speak life. You know that song. Anyways, um, he says to speak life. I, I shouldn't be singing, but <clears throat> he says speak life, speak words that edify, that build up, that build each other up. Speak what the Spirit of God is saying. Say what God is saying. Well, God is saying that we're light in the Lord, so let's say that to each other. Let's remind each other of who we are, right? How powerful is that if we can remind one another of our true identity? That's something that my wife and I, uh, with our kids, when they do something that isn't great, <laughs> we remind them, hey, you know, I, that's not who you are. Like what you did, that's not you. That's not you. And we had, a, we had, a, we had problems with um, some of our kids, that, well, a particular child, who would say things, just say really brutal things. Like, it was just hard for them because they would just say a lot of mean things, and they're trying to kind of get to us a little bit. And so they would say some, I mean, outrageous stuff, and we would just say, that's not you. What, that's not you. <laughs> what you're doing right now, that's not you. I know who you are. You're a child of God. You're a righteous righteous boy or girl, whoever I'm talking about. <laughs> right? And so, trying to keep, you know, all right, anonymity. All right, so, um, but we would, we would try to speak to who they were, um, not what they were doing. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about prophecy, and it says that anyone who prophesies, says prophesy to another, desire to prophesy. And he says, anyone who prophesies, speak words that strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Strengthen, encourage, and comfort. I think prophecy, I think sometimes we, we make it crazy, and it's really pretty simple. It's just saying what God is saying. God says something, and then we say what he's saying to someone else. That, that's what prophecy is in the simplest terms. And so anyone can do it. And a lot of you have prophesied, and you don't even know that you did it. You spoke a word of encouragement to someone, and it was what God was putting on your heart, and that was what they needed to hear. You just prophesied. You spoke a word of comfort, and it was what God was saying, and they needed to hear it. You just prophesied. And so, but he says, speak these things to each other. Desire to do that. That our words lift each other up. So that's one thing. And then he says also that our words should lift up Jesus in praise and gratitude that we sing songs from where? Our heart to the Lord. Our heart is engaged in worship. Every part of who we are. And we lift him up, constantly giving thanks, living in gratitude. So, so we are imitators of God. We live selfless, exalting others rather than ourselves. And number three, who we are, God's holy people. We are, this is who we are, God's holy people because of Jesus. And then he says, live holy. Live holy, exposing darkness rather than keeping things dark. Exposing it rather than keeping things dark. In the dark. Verse 11 of Matthew 5 says, or sorry, Ephesians 5, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient, we talked about the disobedient before, those who don't know Christ, do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleep of rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So a life of holiness. Now, holy, that word holy means set, a, set apart for a specific purpose. Consecrated to God. 
right? So it is set apart for his specific purpose, okay? So we are holy. Our lives are holy unto God, meaning that our lives are separated from the world for a specific purpose, to know God in true authentic relationship, to love each other, love others well, and then to fulfill his mission, the Great Commission on the earth. So we have a unique, specific purpose that we are set apart for from the world, and the world's purpose is physical pleasure, all things seen, pride in our achievements and possessions. So we have a separate purpose. Now, when we live a life of holiness, when we dedicate ourselves to that consecrated purpose and to Jesus, a life of holiness exposes deeds of darkness as fruitless. It exposes the deeds of darkness as fruitless, that they are truly empty. Because if people can see us living fully satisfied and content in Christ, and yet we're not doing any of that immorality, impurity, greed, slandering, we're not doing any of that, but yet we're full and we're content and we have life, what does that do? It exposes the deeds of darkness as fruitless, empty, that they don't do anything for us. You don't need them in your life, that Christ fulfills all things. He is everything that you need, and so it exposes those things for what they are, fraudulent. There are fraudulent ways to find temporary gratification, but not true fulfillment. So when we live that way, it exposes those deeds as fruitless. And then the second part of living in holiness is confession, letting the light shine within our hearts. Confession is willingly exposing our sins to the light of Christ's mercy and grace. Willingly exposing our sins, our issues, our problems to the light of Jesus. Coming to God. And there is a freedom that comes when we're honest with God. And we tell God where we're struggling. And he already knows, and we know that. But there's something about inviting him in. We talk about how honesty is an invitation. When we're honest with God, like the psalmist David was, we're inviting God into every nook and cranny of our heart. Any dark place within us gets lit up by the light of Jesus. And when we confess and we're honest with God with where we're at and what we're struggling with day to day, even moment to moment, what happens is the light of Jesus shines in a dark place. And what does that do? It washes us clean, right? It removes all shame, all condemnation, the power the enemy had over us to accuse us. It makes him powerless because it nails his accusations to the cross, Colossians 2, right? And so now, because we were open and honest with God, we've invited him into those places. Now we're clean, and then the things that were once darkness become a light. When you keep things in the dark, they stay dark. But when you expose things to the light, they become light. When you keep things in the dark, they stay dark. When you keep things hidden, they can fester. They can grow roots of bitterness. The enemy can continue to lie to you that that's who you are. All of that can happen. But when you expose it and you confess to God and confess even one to another to find healing, when we do that, suddenly... He's stripped of his power, and then those things that were once darkness become light. Check this out. 
Ephesians 5.13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. What does that mean? Think about this phrase. I'm sure you guys have heard this. Only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim into a victor or a victory. Only God can do that. How many of you guys know you've heard testimonies of people, right? The Bible says, we, how do we overcome? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You've heard testimonies of people who maybe they struggle with addiction or maybe they struggle with whatever. And then their very weakness, the very thing that kept them bound because of Jesus, because he sets them free, that now becomes a message of hope to people who are struggling with the same thing. And now they can hear that testimony and be like, oh, I, there is hope for me. I can overcome. It is possible. Isn't that amazing? God takes something that is destructive, that is darkness, and because of the power of his grace, right, where sin abounds, what does the Bible say? Grace abounds much more. And so where sin abounded in our hearts, when we confess to the Lord and we invite the light of Jesus in and he brings freedom and healing and wholeness, he can literally transform the thing that was once darkness and turn it into a message that brings hope and light to people. Man, that's powerful. That's the power of the gospel. 1 John 1, 7 through 9 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claim to be without sin, we keep hiding things. We're just hurting ourselves. But he says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Man, that's awesome. We confess, and then Jesus washes us clean. He purifies us. And what does he do also? He brings light. Light doesn't just heal, it reveals. He shines on those dark places in our life, and he says, that's not who you are. This is. You were once, but you are light now. Live as children of light. Man, that's the power of the grace of Jesus. So I want to close with this. Um, so Paul reminds us who, we, who we're not, who we are, you were, you are, live as. Uh, one of the best things we can do in remembering who we are and living out of that place of identity in Christ is to just be intentional, just to be mindful, to wake up to purpose, Okay. He talks about in Ephesians 5, he goes on in verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, witless, in, you know, uh, people who aren't paying attention, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, vague, foolish, thoughtless. Another translation says that, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. So he says, one of the best things you can do is to live on purpose. Don't allow yourself 
to go on autopilot. Don't allow yourself to go on autopilot. That's what the enemy wants to tempt us to do because of hardship, different things in our lives. Okay, just cruise, just go on autopilot. The problem with that is, is autopilot takes the path of least resistance. And what's that? Destruction, immediate gratification, those empty things. So what Paul is saying, don't let yourself go on autopilot. When you wake up in the morning, live on purpose. Wake up and say, okay, I am light in the Lord. I am a child of light. This is who I am, and this is how I'm going to live. I'm a dearly loved child. I'm an imitator of God. I'm part of God's holy people, and I'm going to live as those things. And we just do it on purpose, just a, a little bit more intentionality to say, okay, this is who I am. I'm not going to go on autopilot, and I'm just going to cruise. I'm going to live out of my identity in Jesus. So this is what we're going to do to close our time. We're going to respond in worship. Um, but I would like to invite just our elders, our prayer team up on either sides here. And what I want to do and I want to invite you to do is, is to just confess <laughs> to the Lord. Is just take time as we worship. I invite you. Is, is there something in you that you've been just kind of hiding out and just been, you've kind of locked it away. And it doesn't have to be like this e super evil, wicked thing. It could be just an insecurity about who you are or a lie maybe that you've believed or, or a traumatic experience that's happened in your life or it could be a lot of different things. But there might be something that's kind of hidden away in the dark and God's like, I'm ready to shine light on that. And he's asking you to confess to him. He already knows, but just inviting him into those places. So what we're going to do as we worship, I invite you to just do that to the Lord and just ask God. And if you're not sure, search my heart, oh God. Is there anything in me that, is, that isn't aligned with you? And then just confessing those things before the Lord, inviting his light to shine in. And then you may be in a place where you're struggling with something and you just you need to tell someone. That's why our prayer team is here. They would love to pray with you. And you just need someone to walk with you. And again, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It could be something small, but you just need someone to partner with you. We want to do that. We want to partner with you in that. So either way, whether you're saying, man, I just I need to confess the Lord, or if you just need to share something with someone, we're going to take time to do that. Would you stand with me? We're going to close in this song of worship. And let's just invite the light of Jesus in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, shine your light in our hearts. Father, I pray, God, every dark corner we lit up with the light of your Son, your mercy and grace. Father, will we, may we find healing and wholeness, Jesus. Lord, may we find wholeness. May we find the truth that is in you. And if you're here and you, maybe you've been, it's been a long time since you've really committed to Jesus and said, I want to come back to you. I've been kind of doing my own thing and it's time to get right. You can make that decision right now. God's here and he's ready to receive you. And if you want to do that, you say, I want to come back to Jesus or I want to put my faith in him. The Bible says, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Confession again unto salvation. So Father, Give us courage to confess, to open our hearts, and to share our lives fully with you. Remind us of who we are. We love you. Let's worship.
depths of our heart and you love us the same <laughs> thank you for that because you know who we are and that we belong to you so Lord let that truth rise up in us and may we walk in the light and live as children of light letting your light shine in every part of our lives God and I pray Father as we imitate you, as we walk around as dearly loved children, as we live out the fullness of God in our lives, God, that our life will be a testimony to this world, that there is hope, there is fullness, there is love and life in Jesus. Give us the grace to be bold in that, in our testimony. Thank you, Jesus, for lives transformed and changed because of your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Awesome, guys, thank you so much. Um, quick reminder, last thing, is we are having our launch team meeting tonight. So 5 p.m., if you can be here, please be here. It's gonna be awesome. Also, uh, if you can help us to set up for tonight, we're actually gonna tear down this section right here in the middle. So we're gonna stack the chairs and we're gonna bring a few round tables from the kids area, set up a few round tables and put some chairs around them for tonight. So if you could stay and help us with that, that'd be awesome. Many hands make light work. Love you guys. See you next week or tonight. <laughs>